Welcome everybody to our uh, Global Education podcast sub-series. My name is Daniel Emerson and I'm the Director of Global Education at Felsted School. Um, very warm welcome to you to a 10-part sub-series that we're going to be delivering on the subject of global education and its impact around the world. Throughout this sub-series, we'll be focusing on a broad range of global topics, all through the lens of professionals who have international scope within their work and daily lives to try and unpack how global education, global competencies and character education have impacted their experiences so far. Today's guest is Fajr Rabia Pasha, and she is the Executive Director of the Pakistan Alliance for Girls Education, PAGE. PAGE is a nonprofit dedicated to empowering Pakistani girls so that they feel confident in achieving a secure future. PAGE aims to create a society where girls are free to have access to quality education and play a leading role in social transformation. Fajr Rabia Pasha is one of the leading advocates for strengthening education systems within Pakistan. She has been a lifelong champion of girls' education and female rights. She has 17 years of experience in setting up and leading social enterprises in England and Pakistan, and through her philanthropy and advocacy, has made remarkable progress towards creating opportunities for girls within the Pakistani education system. Fajr, thank you so very much indeed for being able to join us today. Um, to begin with, I was wondering if we might be able to please talk about the broader context of your work when it comes to the systems that you're operating in. So what is it about the situation in Pakistan currently that means education for girls is a priority? Hi, Daniel. Thank you very much for having me here today, first of all. Um, and, uh, and I really hope that this would be uh, useful to everybody who's listening. Um, so in terms of girls' education in Pakistan and uh, the current challenges in the environment that we have uh, basically means that uh, um, at least 13 million girls in Pakistan are not going to school who should be in school right now. So that's, that's a huge, huge number uh, of girls who are not going to school and will never have the opportunity to go to school. Uh, in addition, the girls who do manage to, you know, uh, get an enrollment in a school, uh, in most cases, which is a, it's a government school, uh, the 85% of those girls actually drop out even before completing primary education. So when we look at the stats and figures, what we see is that uh, when we're talking about girls and education, they are constantly being pushed back and they're the ones who are sort of at the most risk at the moment, because naturally once, if they're not going to school, they're more vulnerable to early age marriages, they're more vulnerable to domestic abuse, uh, sexual abuse, uh, harassment, and all sorts of things. And, and it just sort of leads on to this vicious cycle that uh, women live in, uh, you know, in Pakistan. So that's, this is, this is why, you know, why we're working on girls' education, why the focus on girls' education, and just so we can change that, you know, we can change that uh, environment for girls. We can make sure that they have access to opportunities just like everybody else. And, um, and they can also dream about things and they can also dream about to be a pilot or, a, or, or, or be a footballer or be an engineer or whatever they wish to be. So that's, uh, you know, uh, I think, you know, just a couple of these stats and figures are, um, 
are enough to showcase what's happening in the country, unfortunately, and and how important this work is uh, that we're doing to bring that change, not just on ground level, but at strategic level as well with the communities, uh, with policymakers, with politicians to, uh, to, to make them understand and create that awareness that these are the challenges that we have and uh, what kind of consequences you know we face as a nation that may be social issues and justice issues and economic issues etc that uh, you know that basically is, is what lack of education is leading on to so so this is a, a massive area um, of work that you're undertaking in your role as executive director um, Fajr could you again just thinking about context what what would your sort of day-to-day look like what in terms of um in terms of the work you're doing well for me as as an executive director uh there are things that you know sort of a top priority for me on daily basis a is you know we are uh, constantly working on engaging with various stakeholders within the government who can support the work and who can support girls' education on ground and who, who can actually support and sort of bringing, building a very holistic uh, system where girls can have that additional support that they otherwise have no access to. So, for example, nutrition, you know, we have huge numbers when we're talking about malnutrition in girls. So we're trying to build that system where, you know, nutrition is nutrition or food programs are integrated within the girls' uh, education system. Similarly, when it comes to mental health, uh, there is no support, there's no concept of mental health, uh, unfortunately here, and, and, and raising awareness and bringing, again, key stakeholders together to work on mental health. Uh, in addition, you know, safeguarding, et cetera. So these are the kind of things that uh, I'm working as an executive director in terms of building, um, programs and initiatives strategically and bringing everybody all the partners on board and making sure that we have that sort of you know pages is used or you know sort of is developed as a platform where all these people all the stakeholders can come together and work jointly on girls education and opportunities and girls as leaders of tomorrow so that that's sort of my main focuses and hence it means meeting lots of people in the government. It means meeting lots of donors, international donors, and uh, and always keeping an eye out for various funding opportunities that are aligned with our uh, mission and objective and uh, working on making sure that, you know, we can, we can approach the donors and we can bring that funding in to support that much needed work that we're doing at the moment. And in addition, of course, you know, there are uh, programs going on. So we have a lot of, um, program monitoring meetings, making sure that the programs that are being delivered are creating impact as, you know, the way we have planned. Uh, we work in a very difficult and challenging environment. And, uh, you know, there are uh, there could be issues on day-to-day basis, you know, in the communities or with the government or this and that. So there's a lot of, you know, different kind of things going on in a day, which could uh, start from uh, finding the money to solving problems <laughs> to all sorts of things. So. I mean, there's a huge amount of, of skill sets that you need in order to be able to manage that workload effectively. So as a change instigator, how did you harness the skills that are required to, to overcome some of the challenges we're talking about here? I'm thinking particularly when it comes to um, viewing the world from different perspectives, 
the courage uh, that you need to overcome those those challenges, negotiation skills? Where, where did all that come from? Um, I think, um, uh, you know, as a, as a teenager, um, I was, you know, sort of lucky enough to have that mentoring from my parents, my mother particularly, where I had the opportunity to uh, see, you know, firsthand in terms of uh, what impact we can create in our uh, in our communities if we work with them, if we capacity uh, build them, if we give them opportunities, etc. And that really sort of you know pushed me in terms of understanding how to find solutions uh, when we see problems. And I think that mindset is sort of the foundation of all the work that I do and um, and making sure that, you know, that just building on that, because I think, you know, once you understand the problem really well and you experience it, then you can advocate for it better. You know, uh, if there is somebody else who doesn't know the problem or who hasn't got the understanding of that problem, then you cannot really stand up for that issue. You cannot really speak up for that issue. And that basic uh, understanding and experience, I think, really gives the confidence to be able to speak up, you know, uh, uh, for the right of a girl's education or right to live, you know, and dream and and achieve their dreams. And I think that's something that kind of thing, that's, that's the kind of passion and motivation, uh, that understanding the issue and seeing things firsthand and really seeing how difficult uh, girls and women's lives can be, which uh, no one pays attention to, to be honest. I mean, this, you know, it is no groundwork gets done to actually, um, you know, capacity build our girls, you know, facilitate the girls so they can grow up to be strong women, you know, who can stand up for themselves. And uh, yes, you know, you, you, of course, you need all, all the skill sets and, uh, and, and I've developed these skill sets as I've sort of, you know, uh, on the way, you know, I, this has been a journey for me as well. And when I first started uh, with my own social enterprise, I was just 18. So, uh, and I think the only thing, uh, the only skill set I had was the passion. You know, I think that's itself is a skill that you have. If you have the passion to do things, then you learn. Um, and that's how it all started. And um, and and I developed the negotiation skills and and advocacy skills and and the writing skills. You know, because there are a lot of times we're writing about things, and it's very important that you can you can write in a way that you can narrate somebody else's story in the in the way that you know if somebody's reading it then they they can connect with that uh, you know the issue on ground it's very important so these are the kind of things that have really sort of you know i have developed and uh, in addition you know then you look at your formal skill sets for example business planning you know when you're working we have to make sure that uh, all the work that we're doing is sustainable uh, the costs are covered, we can grow, we are safe, um, you know, risk analysis from, you know, making sure that we, we work in a very uh, uncertain environment, so understanding that and, uh, and sort of, you know, formally being able to record, bringing, you know, team together, building the right team. These are the sort of things that, you know, really are needed uh, when you're building, building a business or a social enterprise or a charity, whatever that may be. And, uh, and, and a lot of these things I've learned when I started my first social enterprise in England. And these are the skill sets that, you know, I've learned, I've gone into a lot of trainings, I've, you know, short trainings, particularly around financing, budgeting, marketing, business planning, and they've really helped me. And, and 
because I'm involved in the work firsthand, so I've been able to sort of, you know, um, sort of, you know, really just try and test my skill sets uh, as well. So I'm, I'm hearing a lot, Fajera, about how the experience has helped you in terms of developing your skill sets. Um, which in some cases is is surprising and perhaps in other cases it's not because when thinking about um, a, a typical model in education of course you you start from the perspective that you know students are going to be taking exams in the end of their final year at school as a route through to university for example but it sounds as though the the real benefit when it comes to learning about team building or social entrepreneurship or or fundraising or business planning has come through that immediate experience at least in your case so how how important do you feel it is for students to allocate time away from more traditional um, forms of, of education when it comes to preparing for exams and perhaps taking part in um, areas of co-curricular life where they can experience things as part of their learning directly? I think that's it's absolutely crucial because both, you know, your sort of formal education and, and your sort of, you know, informal education should go hand in hand because school setting and that environment is very important because it, it gives you that discipline. You know, it gives you that critical thinking skills and it gives you that direct mentoring that comes from the teacher. You know, so that's something really, really important. But let's say if you choose a field, whatever field that may or let's say you want to set up a social enterprise and there's a particular issue that you want to work on, then that hands on experience will really, um, I think, you know, accelerate your own progress. I mean, that's how I see myself. So I've been through, you know, schooling system, et cetera. But because I was always engaged on a practical level in work, that really helped, you know, so you learn things, but then you have to, you know, sort of uh, it, it go through the process practically as well, because that gives you the right understanding in terms of, uh, you know, because uh, we read books, you know, and books are great, but then you want to be able to implement that knowledge and learn from your experience in terms of what works and what doesn't work. And sometimes what the book may say may not work as well. So that knowledge and understanding is very important. And and uh, and, and let's just say if you're a student and you're in, in school and you, uh, you know, you're targeting a particular field. Uh, so if you've gained some experience in that field on a practical note, then, then the way I think you would do your exams and the way you'll be able to explain the issues and challenges or the processes, for example, would be completely different. And that would really, you know, anything that we do as uh, as practical work really, really helps. And that's something that needs to be, you know, built into, uh, I feel, into all education systems, uh, especially at your middle level, at secondary level. Children should be exposed to work environments and to, uh, you know, to real challenges of life. Because otherwise, they're in, in a school, they're in a very protected environment, which is fine. But then, uh, uh, you know, they have to be out and be prepared for that, uh, you know, practical life as well. So I find that, you know, it really helps, speeds up that process for, uh, you know, of growth, personal growth and development as well. So what about uh, global competencies specifically then, uh, Fajr? So things like being able to recognize different perspectives, being able to communicate ideas, being able to investigate and research the world around them and also being able to take action. How important are these things in, um, when, in, 
primary and secondary education, for example? I think again, yes, very, very important. We, we live in a global community now. So what you can't do is, you know, you can't just detach yourself with what's going on around the world. And it's very important. I think, you know, if you want to build a global healthy community and we see so many issues all around the world, there's wars going on, there's hunger, there is violence, there's, you know, all sorts of things that are going on. And I think we, we as human beings, we need to decide what kind of world we want to live in. And for that, you know, these kind of skill sets are important. And, and you know, our, the new generations have the benefit of, uh, you know, being able to get on internet, on social media, and research issues and problems that are uh, around the world and the reasons behind them. And, you know, you don't, they don't practically, if they're young and they, and they can't really travel, then that means they can still be online. YouTube, for example, is full of videos and you can see things, you know, and you can really understand the impact of war, the impact of, uh, you know, lack of education or justice or, or, or poverty and how these things are impact us as global citizens. I think, you know, the, this is, if that's the mindset we can encourage our young people to develop that could really, really help in the future in terms of bringing, uh, you know, having a more peaceful society and more, um, you know, a, a, a people who can really look after each other and take care of each other. It's like, you know, when, when COVID started and, and everybody was talking about that, you know, because it's hit globally, people will have better understanding and people will be more caring towards each other. And this will happen, that will happen. But unfortunately, we didn't see all of that happening at the end, even though the whole world has gone through the same problem at the same time. And, you know, we've all lost loved ones and, you know, it's been a, a terrible time for the world. But because that, I, I find that because we haven't done that work on our young people or, or you know, the, our generation, for example, where we would create that, um, you know, human, you know, where human development, where, uh, uh, you know, caring for each other, that, that, that's just not been the center of our education. And that needs to be something needs to be developed as a global skill set now. Instead of you know we we talk about tech and you, we need to have digital skills and we need to have uh, various different technical skills. That's all good. That's all good. You know, in in its in its own ways. But unless we can be good human beings, you know, nothing. It can't. You know, when you're connecting the dots, um, and if that's missing, then it all falls apart anyway. We, you know, we we keep seeing that uh, the rich gets keep getting richer. Uh, the poor keeps getting poorer and, uh, you know, there's just so much violence when we're talking about women's rights, when we're talking about child rights, there's so much going on all around the world, which is very sad, to be honest. Fajr, just, just one more question I had for you on uh, a theme that you've uh, just touched on there, uh, particularly with regards to the pandemic and exposure that young people will have had to things like character education and personal mm. development through areas of education that typically happen outside of the classroom. When it comes to providing advice, perhaps for schools and thinking about how to reintegrate that back into the lives of young people, what might you advise or suggest in order to get the best out of the next generation? I think you know schools can play a huge, huge role in this uh, because I mean that's schools are like second home for children, right? So and that that's where they learn and and uh, you know schools could have the right uh, sort of, you know teachers you know who can really teach about 
humanity and uh, and keep 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 humans as you know this sort of the center point of of the teaching you know whatever whatever we're talking about whatever we're teaching and that's that's where the schools can really really help in making sure that young people understand and are aware of the problems that we have globally and understanding that we work as sort of you know uh, one world you know <laughs> we're not separate from each other and i think that's the concept that we need to schools can integrate and and schools should really promote and and really encourage the students to pick up projects globally in terms of uh, from research point of view and just you know going back and carrying out their own research it could be something to do with hunger for example in africa you know and and, and why that's happening and what solutions they can come up with and I think you know, our young people are so bright and they're so intelligent and they're so creative that, uh, uh, and if we can uh, trigger that thought process at younger age, that would really help us, you know, as, as, as you know, global sort of community build a better environment for all. And that needs to come from schools because that's where the children are learning. That's where the children are spending their time. So I would, you know, definitely encourage picking up projects, picking up issues that the young people, uh, you know, may find interesting, or even if they talk, thinking about their, uh, you know, future careers, whatever they want to be, then, you know, really helping them explore um, issues and challenges around those careers as well, and how they can help people and build people, you know, not just from their own communities, uh, immediate communities, but globally. And how, you know, especially for example, women and girls are always behind when it comes to employment opportunities. So how young people can, you know, uh, do the, that extra work or, you know, sort of reaching out to uh, the right people, not just in, uh, let's just say if somebody's based in UK and they set up something and, they, you know, uh, they set up a tech company, then how they can reach out to countries like Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, where they may also be, you know, really good uh, human resource, particularly women, and how they can be encouraged and supported and, you know, brought into the same sort of, you know, cycle of economy as well. So these are the sort of, you know, things that I think, you know, schools can do uh, and come up with programs and really structured programs. So that covers um areas like you know uh, justice for example and and education and economic empowerment and rights of people uh, as well Ajay, we, we only have a, a really short amount of time left but you what you're saying is absolutely fascinating to hear i did just have a, a really short um question for you um if possible and i wanted to ask about because of the fact that you're the Alliance for Girls Education, you've spoken about the need for supporting women and girls when it comes to edu education and employment opportunities as well. Have you got an idea as to the best way, for example, of engaging uh, boys um, at schools when it comes to this conversation, um, particularly when thinking about you know, the broader impact that it might have on, on them? Of course, the work that you're doing is a benefit to society as a whole but as a, a young teenage boy for example who might not have that global awareness already um you know what might you say to someone in in that situation i think i mean you know to build healthy societies is uh, obviously it's not just the girls that we work on we also work with the boys and engaging the boys so for example in our own classrooms we have uh, you know we uh, we have the boys uh, studying alongside the girls and boys and their families 
are uh, engaged under a program that we run is called Explore More. And that, that program is basically designed to really help uh, the communities understand, the parents understand, the boys understand the role of girls uh, in the society and their right to education and their right to uh, non-traditional careers as well. So that program, you know, that's the kind of thing that, you know, we've been working on developing to engage not just the girls, but boys particularly. And that can be sort of, you know, a kind of activities that can be run by, uh, run for anybody globally to engage with them, to raise awareness, to educate them about uh, the issues, the challenges, and uh, changing that mindset in terms of girls' right to uh, education and economic empowerment. So it's absolutely crucial and it's very important because what we can't do is that we just focus on empowering girls, but we leave the boys behind, for example, and they don't understand uh, uh, what an empowered woman would look like when they grow up. So that has to be integrated within the whole, you know, sort of the approach that we have. That's ever so kind of you to, to come back on that point as well, Fajr. Thank you so, so very much indeed for your time. It's been wonderful um, speaking with you and listening to you um, on all of these points. Uh, we're, we're very grateful and I'm sure that your message and your ideas and your information will uh, will be inspiring to many who listen today. So thank you ever so much once again. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the First Ed Talks podcast series. We hope you enjoyed it. Our next episode is coming out soon, so don't forget to follow and subscribe so you can stay in touch.